Welcome to the RPG Design Panelcast, a podcast presenting the very best recorded panels and seminars with regards to game design and publishing. This podcast has been made possible thanks to the fine folks at Double Exposure and their leading game design convention, Metatopia, from which all of these panels were recorded at Metatopia 2017. It's also thanks to the generous contributions of the panel speakers. Now let's get to the show. Episode 153, your first game from idea to product. Presented by John Adamus, Brian Chip, Laura Simpson, and Tim Rodriguez. I brought this up because it fell over. Your coat. My coat? Oh, yeah. thank you. Oh, no, the uh, bag. Oh, my bag. Yeah. I just All wanted right. to let you know I touch your bag. I know that's a thing. Never touch a lady's bag without her permission. All right. You never know what's inside it. Awesome. Daggers. I like that sound. All right. Good morning, everybody. How are you? Uh, this is... What did I title this? What did I title this? Your um, first game? This, yeah. is making, this is normally making your first game. I don't remember what I wrote the title as this year. What did you think it was, Clark? Okay. That's what I titled it this year. Anyway, it's the same <laughs> panel with a new veneer. Um, and some slightly new material. So, uh, I'm John Adamus. Hi. And these are the other panelists who can introduce themselves. I'm Laura Simpson. Oh. <laughs> I'm Brian Chip. Excellent. Um, so, you can if you want, go ahead. Oh, okay. Um, Please. Um, so, uh, I'm the creator of Companion's Tale. It's a storytelling game. Um, I also have written uh, Driving Through Union. Um, and I have other games in the works right now, but uh, I'll probably mostly be talking about those two. Cool. Brian, what have you made? I made this. He did make that. Oh, and I made this with John. He <laughs> actually. did. He told me that it was garbage for, what, the first two years? Two years. Two years. He uh, sat in this panel, in that yep. chair. Yes, where that, you are, sir. Oh, nice. That specific chair? Well, I think you and Sarah were in that row. Oh, okay. I think. Because I know it was when I was here with Ray that you started calling me Poochie. Yes. Oh. But we'll, we'll tell that. We'll, we'll get there because that's, that's a term. So the idea here is to impart to you the idea that you, you have an idea, I, hopefully. I don't want to say ideally because that just sounds weird. But hopefully you have a plan or an idea. I want to make a game about something. I don't know what. doesn't really matter what right now. Um, and, and how do you transition from the it exists in my brain to it exists in the world in whatever format it needs to be in, whatever. So uh, we're going to kind of do this in stages. And ideally, we'll try and be practical because there's nothing more frustrating to sit in a room and go, we're just going to talk theory for an hour with no like tangible, like, oh, that's great and masturbatory at this hour of the morning after I've just had waffles. So we'll try to keep it practical. Does that work for people? Awesome. So um, let's talk about ideas. Um, the only point I want to make is that no idea is bad and no idea is wrong, like at all, like at all at all. Um, the idea of it being bad or wrong or stupid or whatever word you want to use to, to label it, that comes from your perception of how it will be received. Oh, if I make this game about lug nuts, 
I just picked a thing. Um, and tires and, and auto mechanics, a subject of which I know nothing. Um, someone will think it's dumb and it won't do well, and it's a bad idea then. And, and that's, that's not the case. An idea by itself is just an idea, it's a thought. And it, it doesn't even turn into anything else until you act on it. So it's not a, you, the, the first piece of advice would be to divorce yourself or disabuse yourself of the notion that an idea has to be good. I can't make the air quotes big enough. Good um, in order for it to go forward. Every idea has a shelf life and, and, a, and an expiration date, but not that might be, oh, it's a finished book. Or it might be, oh, it's a produced board game. Or it might just be, oh, this I, it's, it's the draft that hangs out in, in Dropbox that I will scrap and mine for parts. But every idea has the ability to be acted on to a certain degree. I think that's the first kind of like big structural thinky part. Would you, anybody like to chime in? Um, I, I would say that with your ideas, um, like you, eventually you're curate them and you might wind up pushing things aside. I, I, some people like to be minimalist and delete things. I love to collect things and I just keep them in a box where I can go, oh, this was a good idea, but maybe I like this part better. So I'm pulling this part out. So I, I keep kind of an archive of uh, this is an idea I want to have. Mm -hmm. This is what I thought was cool about it. And that way, when I'm working on something else, I'm mining it for parts. And I'm just reincorporating it. Also, when I'm actually actively working on something, I, I keep pretty intense notes about what's going on in a playtest, what I liked about it, what like idea I had, even if it's not going to go directly into that game. Because it's all about just keeping like, a fertile ground of ideas that you could pull apart and you can use at any time. I'm 100% with Laura on this. Uh, in fact, I would only add one comment to that. I got more to say about what you said. That's fine. <laughs> um, sometimes you'll come up with an idea and it's this beautiful, precious, glorious idea, but you don't know what to do with it yet. Maybe you don't have the uh, chops, maybe you haven't had that thought on how to polish it, that sort of thing. So keeping those uh, ideas in the box mm -hmm. so that you come back to them later is tremendously important. Uh, when um, I actually fortunately have uh, the uh, ability to work with a design team, a couple of other people, and we annually review all the ideas and notes that we have had across the year and across the previous years that we haven't used to see, okay, can we use this now? Is this appropriate now? Or do we keep this in the box for later gathering dust? But I will say this about ideas. There are no bad ideas, but there are no ideas that are worth anything either. An idea is wind. Mm. Um, it takes work to turn that idea into something usable, into a right. product, into, into a book, into a, a, a card game, uh, into a podcast. Right. Yeah. That, um, and it's not always going to be fun work. Sometimes you will want to strangle anyone you meet that day. <laughs> so, but you've got to push on because the person who can make your idea into reality the way you see it is you. Nobody else. Yeah. And I would agree just to add on to that. Um, so, 
you might maybe you you talk about your great idea like I have this idea and it's incredible I want to make a story about people going back for class reunion or I make a story like in a high school and someone might say to you oh it's like game A, B, and C that's like that, or game G, E, F. <laughs> and you might feel, oh no, like this game's been made. That's such a lie. Each one of us has something that is unique and different and a different perspective, a different way of taking on a subject. So just because someone else has the same similar ideas, just because something's out there doesn't mean that your idea has no value. In fact, what it means is that you have an opportunity to be a little bit different and explore a different way of expressing that idea. Absolutely. Uh, there are going to be any number of people as you're developing your game who who will, they'll come out of nowhere to crap on it. <laughs> like, yeah. you've never even heard yeah. of these people. It's like, yeah, no, that, this game already does this, so why yeah. are you doing it? Or you can't make this kind of game. Yeah. Or this, that, and the other. Ignore them. They are assholes. <laughs> yeah, and there's a difference between people who are giving you legit feedback at your table and people who like show up in your Twitter when you have your Kickstarter saying, oh, that's cool, this other game was awesome too. And I'm like, okay, yes, it was. <laughs> <laughs> there's, this, there's this strange comparison of you know, your thing in its uncooked sort of raw phase to someone else's finished thing. Like... Oh, your idea is great, but this finished game made, I don't know, a year ago does, does it, so you don't have to. And the, the comparison I always make is that you are comparing bread dough to somebody's finished baked goods. It's not the same thing. It's, it's, it's sort of, it will be eventually the same thing in that you'll both make bread, but it is not the exact same duplicative thing. It's... And it's because of that difference, however subtle, however nuanced, that gives you so much freedom to say, oh, well, that, that, now I know how to market it. I can say, yes, my game is very similar to X, Y, and Z, but here's what I'm doing differently. And you use that, what, what was previously a criticism of, well, you're the 11th noir game being made this year, John. <laughs> you use that as leverage to go, yeah, there are, there are 10 others, but I'm the only one who does this and this and does it well. And you get to you can have pride in that, um, but I want to segue back because we talked about work. Uh, work is hard. Well, hold on before yeah. you do that, yeah, I yeah. think we had a question. Yeah, Brian, just sorry, a quick one. You're saying um, you work with a design team. Yes. When and you had John kind of beating on your idea for a while. <laughs> yes. When do you listen to John as being a part of your design team and someone you trust? And when do you keep I know this idea is a good idea. He doesn't always talk. You know what I mean? I understand the outside criticism, but when you're dealing with a design team and people that are close to you, mm -hmm. how do you balance that? Do you, you know what I mean? That's a great, great, hard that. question. <laughs> um, uh, just uh, so you know, my design team actually is my uh, uh, oldest friend. Uh, we met in college at... Uh, at the uh, eponymous room 209 Teague dorm uh, and um, my wife so and I will go ahead and tell you when you are designing with your closest friend and your wife don't be a jerk don't be me at some points um, it's hard and the best advice I have to give for that is absolutely be willing to embrace being wrong 
give everybody else's feedback the same shake you would give your own. Actually, I would even, I would go a little further than that. I would say give them a fairer shake than you give your own because you're blind. It's your idea. It's your baby. You're blind to its flaws. Assume that you are blind to its flaws and listen to other people when they say this is a flaw, this is a flaw, this is a flaw. And then you sit down and you think, is this really a flaw? Or is this what I am trying to accomplish? Uh, there were several times where I didn't take John's feedback. Uh, That's great. I, I, I don't... It's not my thing, right? As, as a member of a design team, as a member of somebody like who gets hired to come in and help, it's not my thing. My job is to help him find his thing. So, yes, my questions are pointed, and they're often really, really direct. Like, why are you doing this thing this way? And it's not a sense of, like, prove it to me. It's a sense of, what do you think it's doing? Mm -hmm. How is it doing that? Because your description of how what you think is happening is not the thing that's happening when I try it. So either I'm missing something, which you can explain to me, or it's missing something, which you need to expand. Mm -hmm. I, I don't want... If I want to make my own thing, I'll go make my own thing. I don't want to take your thing over. My, I'm, I'm specifically there to clarify and help broadcast. So from there, we can, we can segue. I don't want to cut you off, though. Oh, I, I do have a small thing to add. So um, when writing variants for campaign sales, so it's like a stretch goal, um, I was working with my husband. And so he's intimately familiar with the game because he's there while I'm, like, writing different parts of it, prototyping things. Um, and it, it was a new dynamic, and it's something where... I really have to think about, okay, what can I take a step back from and look at this and, and think about how does it fit with thematically with the game as it is? And that's something, and you have to give a lot more slack. And I wish I give more slack because I like sometimes I can be a little bit uncompromising. But, um, but the thing that I'm, but I'm not saying that you should be uncompromising, but there's a few things that when you figure out exactly what the tone is, it will... Like, and that only happens over ages of like playtesting, getting feedback, figuring out the path that you exactly want this to go down. And it's tone. It does, it's not the same as actual gameplay or rules, that those parts are all there to service that one core thing that I've like identified as this is what the game feels like. So just to kind of add a little bit of that nuance where it's uh, once you figure that out, my like my alpha test, I was like I had a rough idea, so I didn't have that then. But like after years of playtesting, then I had a, kind of a core idea. I I think I think the idea there is, um, or the thing, or the underpinning is that uh, rigidity is the production killer, mm -hmm. as is the uh, pursuit of perfection. Um, there is no perfect. There are no perfect games. There will be no perfect things. You will make no perfect things. You'll make things you love. You'll make things that are great. You'll make things that are not great. They're not perfect. They don't have to be perfect in order to proceed in whatever process or whatever step or whatever the next thing is. There's, and to chase that and to say it has to come this certain way in order for me to be validated or feel good or say I've done a good job and give myself the credit the, the harder you squeeze that and the harder you, you hold to that, the greater your disappointment will be later. Because, um, yes, you might get really far into the production and go, I need there to be 
I'm going to make a number up, a thousand Kickstarter backers, and without it, my thing is terrible. Well, really, is it that bad if you got 907? Like, is, the, is, the, is it so critical that it specifically look and be a certain way? Does that really matter ultimately at the end of the day? Rigidity will always try to grind you to a halt. And whether that's rigidity about, oh, this person said my thing sucked, so now I have to prove them wrong. Or, uh, my, or, or four of my friends are making things, my thing must be better. This, it, it doesn't help. It doesn't help the idea. It's not about anything else that doesn't jettison the things that do not serve the idea. Whether that's poor criticism or your own self-doubt or the idea that there are 11 other things on the shelf that do this. It, it's about making this idea. It's about taking the idea and then producing something from it. You've got to get it out of your head before you can do anything, including figure out what it's supposed to be. If it just exists in your head, you will be tormented by the idea that if I just change this, if I just think a little bit more, if I just do a little bit more research, I, 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 can, I can find the perfect thing. It's, it's, not going to, it's not going to become a thing if it stays in your head. It's, it's never going to be a thing if it stays in your head. Because the minute you start to explain it to somebody, they'll say something and you'll change it. Oh, that's a good idea. I didn't think of that. It's super malleable here. It doesn't become realized until it leaves. So the, that step of production is just write it down. It doesn't need to look a certain way. It doesn't need to be complete. Like I, I'm bringing something today. Uh, I've got stuff to, to test out this weekend. I have six pieces. I know it has these six pieces. I don't know how many other pieces it has, but I know these six pieces work because I like them and they amuse me. So that's good enough. Um, my, my, my last game, Noir World, I, God, I, I wrote 78 drafts. The 78th draft is the final PDF. It's coming out soon. Um, it's, uh, Jason has it upstairs. I'm very pumped. But um, it took me years to write it, both because I was being too rigid and because I wanted to make sure it said exactly what I wanted to say, because it, it couldn't live in my head anymore. Because I'd played the game in my head a thousand billion times, and it was fun for me, because it's mine. <laughs> but I wanted to share it with other people. I wanted to get it out. I wanted to stop talking about it and start going, oh, I've written it down. Here, take a look. That's huge, because that adds confidence. And from that confidence, you can sort of toughen yourself to the doubt both the doubt you, you self-generate because, oh man, I wrote a thing, I don't know if it's any good, I don't know if anyone's gonna like it, this is, and then you can always pick it apart and nitpick, right? We always see our own flaws well ahead of other people. I'm getting there. Um, <laughs> uh, unless you're yeah. really arrogant like me, in which case you don't see your flaws yeah, until just, other people point them right, out. Right, just assume your stuff's flawed and you won't see it, you're blind to it, you are way too close, right? And that's okay, that's why there are other people on the planet who can go, I've seen your thing. I have thoughts. You don't have to accept everyone's thoughts because somebody might go, I, I don't like it. Okay. You don't have to. Not everybody has to like my stuff. Not everybody will. That's true. And that's good. You, you, you can't get a natural consensus. That's, I can't think of an example or a metaphor to give. It just doesn't, it just doesn't come up. So when, when you get it out of your brain, my, my best advice to you is um, do it tactilely. Don't, if, if you just record it into your phone like a voice memo, that's just as bad as keeping it in your head. Yes, you've narrated it. Great, and yes, it does technically, I suppose, exist as a cloud of ones and zeros in some way, shape, or form. 
But the minute you, you sit down and type or write it, it, it forces you to make decisions. Because once it exists, decisions are going to be the thing that take it forward. And those are your decisions to make. Am I happy with this paragraph? Does this rule do the thing I want it to do? Is my game really about, you know, chasing a dog across the street? Make decisions. When in doubt, 99.9% .9 of your issues are going to be solved by making some kind of decision. The temptation, though, is to make decisions that live on the extremes. Like, this is garbage, I'm going to throw it out. Or, this is fine, I'm just going to leave it alone. Don't hang out on the extremes. Kind of hang out in that, that Z-score middle of the bell curve. Math term. Nailed it. Yes. Hi. So, you've talked about, like, your close group of trusted feedback mm -hmm. and your spouses and, and, you know, for me, kids, because I work on kids' games. Sure. How do you get it from there? And, you're, and you think you're ready to go, but you're in that zone of, I need more feedback from people outside my little circle. Um, whether that's play testing or whether it's getting feedback, do you have any advice on that that stage that gets past your spouse who's saying, "Good job, honey, just do it." And yes. Kids are like, "Yeah, that looks great." And you're like, "Yeah, well, you're my kid." You're my kids. <laughs> I'm making you dinner later. You have to like my thing. <laughs> <laughs> we need the next realm, and I need the next realm of kids. But kind of, how do you know when you're? How do you take it from there to when you're ready to push the button, invest the money, and 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 know that you're you're done? Uh. I play tests like ruthlessly. Um, so I'm not saying this is right, and you guys could contradict me. But so what I do is like for Metatopia, but other conventions. Like I'm just very clear. I'm play testing. Um, I, I write out a set of goals of what I want to see, what I want to test particularly. Like when I was in Alpha stage, it was very much like, and by Alpha I mean like it was really kind of like, I want to tell a story about a hero, but I don't want to have someone be the hero. So, and we're gonna draw a map. I think that's how it's gonna start. That's cool. I dig that. Yeah. So that was that was what I came to Metatopia awesome. <laughs> with as an idea. And, uh, and, I, I scheduled myself for, and uh, you don't have to do this, I scheduled myself for a bunch of playtests with time in between, and I just ruthlessly tried to just go down the list of what I want to know, and then what I learned, I would fold in, and I would iterate in between each one. Not saying you want to do it, because it's really exhausting, personally, but I was able to just kind of, it, it was so loose and plastic that I felt very okay with that. If I came with something a little bit more together, I think it would have been one of those things where I would have had like index cards. I'm writing something down. Maybe I'll insert this. Maybe I won't. But a big part of it was just kind of trying to get the most out of every single play test, going over a plan of attack for each one, what I want to know from people, what I want to observe them doing. Um, uh, sometimes it's just to the point where I just want to test this particular thing and just kind of have things box where it's okay let's test this particular thing and um and really just kind of drill down on things that are interesting because you want to while you're testing a particular thing there will be emergent uh knowledge and behavior and so it's really about being aggressive about getting those type of play tests also what i uh, i live in new york city so I, I will just reach out to people and say, I want to do a playtest at my apartment, or I want to do a playtest at this other place. And it's just constantly like snapping up as many playtests as I can. 
um, before I called the game, okay, we're done here. Like, it's ready for publishing, just like it's a core game. I got in about 40 playtests, and it's about two and a half hours of gameplay. 40? 40. So, is, there's other, like, more professional companies that are like, we've got a thousand. I'm, you know, I have a full-time job, so I, but I, <laughs> so it, it's really about squeezing out the, like, the absolute most that you can get out of them, and um, I think one of the nice things about Metatopia is that you could start uh, reaching out to people who might be able to playtest online if your game's playtestable online. Some of them are, some of them, it's like a struggle, so you might not get exactly what you want, but I've, I find that for every single playtest I, I would go into, I had a particular goal where I want to accomplish something or test something. Um, and I would really just home in on that and then see what else would come out of it. Because sometimes the most interesting things happen when um, you're just watching people and watching them play. The uh, trickiest part can actually be if you don't live in, if you don't have the fortune yeah. of living in New York and can just, you know, holler out the window, hey, I got a play <laughs> test going on. Uh, for folks of us who live in more rural areas mm -hmm. like me, you gotta uh, look at um, traveling conventions, uh, like Metatopia, perfect mm -hmm. uh, for that. Uh, look for local meetup groups. Uh, oftentimes, uh, FLGSs will have uh, friendly local game stores, uh, just in case anybody didn't know. <laughs> um, will have meetup groups that can be used to organize games at the store or even uh, some places will have groups just within a municipality. Hey, we play D&D &D in, um, you know, east wherever Montana. Uh, come join us and you can join those and start offering the, your playtests there to get the broader range of opinions. The best thing to do is look for opinions who differ dramatically from yours. So don't just, I'll go ahead and give an example. I've got a Thursday night game group and they are, have been very patient at playtesting uh, for me. Uh, we're in the hundreds of playtests uh, for Forthright. Um, and we've uh, gone to different conventions and we got different feedback from Metatopia completely different feedback from Metatopia than from the uh, uh, my Thursday Night Game Group. Why? The Thursday Night Game Group is comprised of all guys and we all kind of think alike. So of course we're all cool with this. As soon as I put it in front of uh, a Laura or someone, for example, she's going to have a completely different perspective. And that's great. You want that different perspective because it gives you a different view of your game. And that's what you're looking for in playtesting. When you're playtesting, you're not looking to listen for people who agree with you. Those people, well, that's nice, but you're not learning anything from agreement. What you learn from is disagreement. What you learn from is people say, yeah, that doesn't really work well, or I have this different opinion on that. And sometimes what you learn is that your mechanic doesn't work. And sometimes what you learn is you haven't communicated your mechanic well enough. And that's a very profound thing to understand is, hey, you know what, don't just automatically assume, oh, this piece of my game is bad because people keep encountering it and bouncing off of it. Think, am I communicating it properly? Have I described it well enough? And that's sort of what John was talking about earlier is uh, his role as an editor is often to help you tease out uh, what, that, uh, what you're really trying to say. 
and that can make a huge difference. My, my advice to you would be courage. Courage and, and committed. Because you, you, you need to find people who aren't your kids, aren't anybody's kids, and in fact are not kids themselves. You need to go purposely out and go, who's not my audience? They're the people I need to put this in front of. And to do that, my best advice to you would be to literally produce a prototype and take it with you and say, do you want to play this? Here's why. It's much harder to say no to someone when they're holding the materials they're talking about <laughs> as opposed to somebody who's like, I got this thing over here where you can't see, like in my car, in my hotel room, somewhere else. Do you want me to go get it and then come back? And it's, no, I don't want you to, because that takes time and I'm going to hang it out the bar or do whatever. But if you've got it in your hands, someone's going to go, oh, well, you've got it right here. How long? And then you can answer very simple questions like, how long does it take? players does it have? What do I need to do as a participant to make this work? And the easier that, that overhead is, the more likely I'm going to go, yeah. I mean, I'm not saying like go make puppy dog eyes at them and go, you know, could you please play my game? I mean, you can, I suppose. That does sound like something I would do. And as, but, as part of that, I would actually recommend doing a small early investment in art. S because people, are more, people aren't attracted to this. People are attracted to this. Oh, that's pretty. That's colorful. What is that? And if you do, you don't have to spend, you know, hundreds or thousands. Um, but just one or two pieces of art to try and communicate a feeling of what you're trying to go for will serve you tremendously well in getting that interest in having people play test and interest in your game carrying forward. Uh, in regards to showing your, your game at, at Metatopia or other places, um, I've heard conflicting information on NDAs. Oh, 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 oh. Okay. I'm sorry. I, I, I'd like to go first, please. Yes, please yes, do. yes. I, I definitely have some things to say to Fuck them. Okay. okay, I have that to say. That, that's, that's Here's why. Lots of that. Okay, I'd like to explain why then. No idea is so precious and vital that it needs to be super protected. The only mechanic that has ever been successfully locked down that way is tapping in magic. Specifically the word tap. Right. Um, everything else is fair game. Because they're just ideas. Because you can't, it's like saying I'm going to put a patent on the word is. Deal with it. <laughs> it, 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 it's not going to get you anywhere. The, the idea of privacy and seclusion creating specialness works great in other fields where material is rare, but ideas are common. They're not finite. So there is, you're, you're not doing yourself any favors going, are you special enough to join my secret club? I, I don't want to be a member of your club if you're going to do that. That's boring. If your idea is awesome and you're really excited about it, you should be vomiting it out of people. Like t-shirt cannon, straight in their faces, idea bukkake of just, here's my thing, John. Nailed it, nailed it. Just, no, thank you. Just, just, just put, if it's really good and you're really excited and you can't wait for them to have it as a physical product, get it in front of them. You don't need to hoard it or hide it or, 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 or contain it. Share it because Maybe somebody who's like, this is also awesome. I have one suggestion to fix this one thing that you're not sure about. 
they can give you better feedback if you're sharing it. Now, if you're worried on the other end about somebody's going to steal my idea, I think you're hanging out with the wrong sort of people. Well, and also, as far as uh, somebody stealing your idea, a couple of things there. One, in the United States, you can't copyright game mechanics anyway. So, two, the, um, the thing that may, is going to make your idea a great product isn't the idea, it's your interpretation, your realization of that idea. Mm -hmm. So uh, Laura and I could have the exact same idea yeah. and make two completely different products, and Absolutely. that's okay. And it's all about the execution, it's all about, uh, uh, what was it, one year I was writing a, so I was writing Driving Reunion, it's Nano LARP, so it's like super small, it was around people, like, he had reunion in the title, and someone was like, oh, well, I'm making a class reunion one as well. Oh, I hope that's not awkward because we're going to the same festival. And I'm like, no, it's really not. Like, we're, our games are very different. And um, <laughs> the, the thing about sharing your idea uh, with people avidly and excitedly is that you get people who get excited about your idea. Like there, I have no fear about talking about this idea because there's nothing like all, all the ideas that are out there. People want to hear about them. They want to hear that you're doing it. They want to hear um, what you're doing about it. And that so it's not just getting people excited about your game, which is kind of like low key marketing <laughs> in advance. It's also getting people who because they're excited about your idea, they're going to help you pour resources into your idea. They're going to come and say, hey, I heard you're working on this. I this idea that you might like or hey I found this article that you might really want so now instead of like having to work in secrecy you have people who are actively excited and willing to help you and willing to kind of like think about your idea on their off cycles so that's kind of incredible right and um Something that doesn't often get brought up, and we haven't uh, brought it up here. We've talked about the concept of the NDA, and oh yeah, you don't need that. The other thing is the practicality. If you have an NDA, you'd better have the money and the lawyers to enforce it. Which, I'll go ahead and tell you a, a story about uh, Forthright. In our alpha playtesting, we did have an NDA. Why? Because I listened to my lawyer friend who said, you better have an NDA. So I had an NDA and blew over $3,000 enforcing it against one person who was like, no, I think your game is garbage and I want to go around bad-mouthing you. That was $3,000 I could have used for more art, mm. more text. Mm. Lunch. Lunch. <laughs> well, I'm not that fat, John. No, but you could have like, <laughs> done stuff around the house. You could, yeah. have, you could have used that money elsewhere. Yes. Yeah. So keep that in mind. It, it's, it's not worth it just from the money perspective, never mind all the other perspectives. Also, you're, you're here. Um, this is, this is uh, the majority of conversations will include the sentence, tell me about your game. <laughs> They're not saying, tell me about your NDA, or tell me about your exclusivity clause. No, it's tell me about your game, what are you making? That sounds awesome, I'd like to be excited for you. I'm, I'm here to hang out and have you be excited too, because otherwise it's really dull. And I didn't come here to be, if I wanted to be bored, I'd go home and just stare at the wall. But I know I want to hear about your stuff. It's awesome. Let's make good stuff. Um, concurrent to all this or sort of through the through line for all this is keep working at it. Like don't, don't stop working. I mean, yes, you're at a panel. I don't, you know, you can sit down and type out your game. I don't care. But like don't, 
the trap is I'm going to go to Metatopia and I'm going to take a ton of notes. I'm going to go to all these panels. I'm going to go to all these play tests. I'm going to aggregate all these notes. And then I'm going to, you know, put it in a, in a backpack or in a suitcase and return home. And then I'm going to wait a few days. And then I swear after a few days after I recover, I'm going to get right back to it. No, you won't. <laughs> because those few days will turn into a few more days. And, oh, well, I got to go back to my day job. I got this to do. I, I, I put off dealing with this. I got to, life will happen and fill that void. So my, the best thing I can tell you to do is while you are here, write yourself some notes. While you are on the ride home, assuming you're not driving or flying, well, assuming you're not the pilot nor the, the driver, <laughs> um, take some notes, write it down. Before you know, you stop at the gas station to get gas on your way home, write yourself a quick note, hey, I gotta remember to, to print out or email the person I said I was gonna email. And stay active in that, rather than waiting for some sort of planetary alignment and confluence of the right things for you to get back into that creative space because you never will. There is nothing like Metatopia and it is finite for a reason. You, you can take it with you if you go home and use your notes and go, okay, yeah. So I, I talked to Clark and Clark was like, John, this is a great idea. Um, I have one question. Um, I, he, had, he, was like, he played a mook in my game and he's like, I have one question about this mechanic for shooting people. And I'm like, okay. And he explained it to me and, oh, that's a really good idea. So I wrote down, Clark wanted you to change shooting people, just shoot them and be done with it. And that's how it ended up in the game, because that was a good idea. And had I sat on that and waited and just seen my note of Clark talked about shooting people, because um, that's how it was in my phone. Exactly. It was just a day of the week, because, you know, he's got a frustrating day job. So the, the, more, the more actionable you can be and the more productive frequently you ought to, no, there's, words are in the wrong order there. The more active you can be consistently, we'll put it that way the better you will be to carry forward that momentum because this convention will give you the momentum. You will get the want. You, will, you are surrounded for four days by creative people making stuff and wanting to make stuff and wanting to succeed. To capitalize that on it, you have to do the work. It's not going to be miracled to you. It's not going to arrive at you. It's, you have to provide, provide and produce your own time and your own effort. And if, if you are not willing to do that, well, there's the door. Have a delightful day. I can recommend Tito's Burritos downtown. Um, it's just, just, it's just how it is. They're delicious. It's just how it is. Um, I had another point I wanted to make. Oh, production. Because we, we had talked about prototyping and, and nanolart. Nanolart made me think about it. I don't know why. Because it was a cool word. That's what it was. It was a cool word. Um, don't worry about what your drafts look like. They can look like Word docs. Yes, art will be a great marketing tool. And yes, art is really cool and you're like, hey, can you want to play my thing? Awesome. But if you're still in this phase of, I'm writing down my thing, it can hang out in a, in a, in a Word doc. It can hang out on a note file on your phone. It can, mm -hmm. it can live on a legal pad or a steno pad or the, maybe not the dry erase board, but because that's too impermanent. But it can exist in, in state. It doesn't have to look like the finished thing as you are working on it is, is the thing I'm trying to say. And it's not going to because when you go into production with it, depending on what you're making, um, you will have a, a file of some format that details the text. Someone else will take that and put it into a separate file and include the art. And someone else will take that file, put it into a different file, and then mass produce it. It's Yes, ultimately it will look like the finished book, but before then it lives in these different 
facets, these different mm -hmm. permutations. And that's okay. You can keep an idea in your head of, oh, this is what I want it to look like, so that when it, it's time to start making and assembling the thing, you can say, no, I want the photo on this page, or I want it like two-thirds of the way down. Like you can, you can get visual about it if that's your jam. Or if you're making a, a LARP, you can get explicative as to, no, here's the blocking, here's the, here's the rule set. It has to, you know, it's a nano, it's gonna be tiny. I don't need a thousand pages, hopefully. No. No, <laughs> but it, you can have an idea of what it will look like in the end, but to get there, it can look like anything. And that's okay. There's nothing wrong. We're not, there, there's no draft police. Even editorially, we don't come around and go, what does your draft look like? Does it look a certain way? Well then, screw it, you're, you're wrong, take it away from you. I'm taking your keyboard. It's, it's not that. It's, it's going to look like whatever it is to be workable. Yes, I prefer to work in Word than I do straight on PDFs because it screws up formatting and it becomes a dog to try and like fix things because all of a sudden I hit enter and well now there go all your columns for two pages and oops. But if you gave me the Word doc, I could fix it. But ultimately it's going to end up as the PDF. Ultimately it will end up as the board game or the, the, the placard or the play mat or the box of cards or whatever. Mm. But it doesn't always. And just because you're making it end up that way does not mean you have to constantly stay that way. Like, you don't have to iterate on the cards to make a card game. You don't have to produce a total board game in every stage, because it's expensive. It's time consuming. Mm -hmm. To constantly make a board and go, oh, well, I'm adding two spaces. I gotta make a whole new board. Don't do what I did, which was make 77 drafts. Brand new word files every time. And I would change two or three words between some of these drafts. Nope, I'm going to say the sentence better. Delete, start over, page one. Yes, it's a great way to reinforce the idea in your head. But it's also a great way to invite paralysis. Because you start re-questioning, like, is that really? Like, I wrote that sentence 61 drafts ago. Is that really the best way to say that? Yeah, okay, we're going to go forward. Otherwise, it's, you know, back to, this game is about such and such. Um, don't ever I don't want to say this don't paralyze yourselves instead make a decision mm -hmm. and you're going to make a lot of decisions and you don't have to know all of them in advance and there is no like pre-game decisions like okay I know 11 decisions from now I will need to figure out if I want to print it on you know A4 or legal or if I want to write digest sized or regular no it's the best example I can give you is that it's like, it's like assembling, not a game, it's like building a physical thing, like Ikea furniture or Legos. You, you can't, yes, you have a whole booklet of instructions, but you don't worry, you don't worry about step seven if you're on step two. You'll get there. You will get there, assuming you continue to do the steps. So when you're doing a thing, just stay there and do that thing. Yes, other problems will try to filter in and someone will tell you, oh, have you thought about Kickstarter yet? And oh, have you thought, <laughs> yeah, I'm sure you have. But right now I'm here, I'm on step two, I'm on step one, I'm on step eight. And that's, it take, it'll take as long as it takes, unless you do like the really asinine thing of, I'm launching this game in, in six months and I came up with my idea today. <laughs> yes, you have shot yourself in a foot and hemmed yourself in. Yeah. People do it. They do. You can go to the bar and probably talk to five people today who will say that exact sentence. And it's exciting and great and good, but it's, it's hard. Yeah. 
And your Kickstarter is a full-time job, so... Yeah, I, it's... Uh-huh. <laughs> it is. Yeah, I know. Whether Ooh. you want it to be or not. <laughs> yeah. Even if you're sitting there pressing F5 and refreshing the screens. Oh, God, there are feedback and comments and ideas, and somebody can't figure out how to use the Dropbox links, and you've only written one update, and they want to know where the update is. There's a billion things that go on. Yeah. It is hard. Take your time. Slow down. Remember your focus. Your focus is to be productive and transform the idea into a thing. Yes. Hi. Somebody. Oh. Yes. Hi. You mentioned Kickstarter. Right. Is it is it worth it for the feedback that you get? No. Sort of. Kind of. Maybe. Uh. <laughs> the feedback. The, sorry, so the feedback and kick. By the time you, my opinion, I will specify my opinion. By the time you get to Kickstarter, it's not Kickstarter. It's Kick Ender. You should be mostly done by the time you kickstart. Yes. Because the more done you are, the more you can show off, the more you will excite people, the more mm-hmm. they are willing to part with their monies. Mm. If you come in and go, I'm going to kickstarter because I have this idea. Great. Ideas do delightful, wonderful things, but ideas can change. I, I've backed kickstarters based on the idea, and then two months later, the guy goes, we're making a totally different thing now. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I gave you $45. What's up? <laughs> yeah, it, honestly, kickstarter... I would say your game should be done, like, and by, I mean, the design should be completely, like, you should be done, because everything after that, it's going to be accountability to your backers, mm. and it's, and production, if, so, when, um, if I mentioned art, you, now you have more people involved, unless you're doing all of your own stuff, in which case, like, that's awesome, but if you if you have to hire people to do other aspects, you're really going to want everything game design wise done to be completed. You you don't want to be designing after this, uh, because after this it's all about that production cycle. And I feel like that's another panel. It is. It is. It's, it's, it's just that day. massive. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think I'm doing that panel. I think oh, excellent. I think that's excellent. later today. Yeah. Here, you, or you'll cover all that. But you you want to be. Once you jump on a Kickstarter timeline, mm-hmm. everything compresses. And the amount of feedback you get is most often going to be hypercritical. Because it's going to turn into, I'm giving you money, so you're going to do what I want the way I want, like I'm ordering it at Burger King. Yep. And that's, that's not the point. A lot of feedback, particularly at that level, is going to be, if I were making your game, this is how I'd do it. And about 90% of the time, you can discard that feedback. Because Only 90? Yeah, I'm going to say no. I'm going to be general. Oh, okay. Yes. So if you're so if you're done taking your advice and you're done when you get a Kickstarter, hmm? do you have value on it other than funding? I'm sorry. Do you have value for Kickstarter other than funding? Yes. And you can use it for fancy packaging and art and extra- stretch goals and extensions. Mm-hmm. But the finished by so you want to be able to like I'm going to give you a thing. Here's my game right now. Here's my thing. If I can just give you that in exchange for your money, Kickstarter becomes a pre-order engine, which is great. Now you're building an audience. Mm-hmm. And now you're simplifying, to a degree, you're simplifying um, delivery because I know, oh, you've committed, so I know I have to give you this thing. Yeah. And you're also minimizing your own risk. Right. Because you're, uh, you now know, oh, okay, I've got this much interest based on my Kickstarter. I need to produce X amount of product. Right. right. The, and, and that's, like, I, my Kickstarter, I, and I was very explicit in my Kickstarter, you are paying for art in this book. The design is done. I am... I am writing some stretch goals because it sounds cool to write, you know, Star Wars noir and Cthulhu <laughs> noir, and I'm really proud of them. Wasn't there a unicorn one as well? Uh, no, there's narwhals. Narwhal, that's oh, one. the unicorn of the sea. Uni- exactly, right? You but, know, it took us it took us a good 
hour to realize the pun in Narwhal. Mm-hmm. That's exactly right. But the idea is Noir World Narwhal. I was explicit in the idea that you are pay, you your money is going towards art in this book because I know art is good. Art sells books. Period. Because it's visual and people go, oh, this gives me an idea of the vibe of what's going on. So I didn't have the money for art at the time I went to Kickstarter. Everyone knew this. It was a terribly kept secret. But I raised the money and used it for art. And now I will use the remaining money to print the book. And it's going to be fancy as hell because I raised more money than I needed. And that's a bonus. I didn't set out to do that. I figured it would at best be a PDF that a few people would buy and I would give away more times than not. And then I would just you know, go on into the West and retire and never do a thing again. <laughs> And it, they were like, no, John, here's my money. I'm throwing this idea at you. Mostly because they had seen 70-something iterations of it. And they're like, we want to make it fancier. What do we have to do? Raise more money. Raise more money. And raise more money. And then it got uber fancy. I didn't plan that. I just needed some... I just wanted to pay people to draw pretty pictures. And that was my day. And I... I that's what it finished. That, and it, that was what I needed. I didn't need design time. And because I didn't need that, I could immediately turn around and go... Here, guys, here's the starter. Here's the basic set. Go home and play this. Go. Give it, I gave it away the same day. And it was fine. And it, it built in marketing and it became, because Kickstarter is a full-time job. You will mm-hmm. sit there and manage, and, and it, you will handle comments from dumb people, just flat out aggressively angry dumb people who will ask senseless questions for little to no benefit. And there's a lot of customer service to it where uh, so there's the comments that everyone who backs it could see right. and then there's messages so you're you wind up becoming a little bit like tech support and it's mm. one of those things where it's like I have backercade attached so I'm I'm looking up people's information saying oh well actually it's a different email and, you know it's it, it's a lot of the unglamorous things and also it's it's one of those things where you're trying to publicly share a timeline and it feels like the minute you do that, you're going to get complications as yeah. depending on how many people you have working with you or what they're working on. Um, so it's, I would not, I would absolutely not kickstart until the game is done. I had uh, just one thing. Yeah, mm-hmm. I have a kickstart. Yes. But answer the question. Uh, the, one of the best things that I've ever heard is Kickstarter, it's not a promise people make to you to give you money for your thing. It's a promise you are making to them Mm -hmm. that you will make the thing. Yeah. And specifically the thing you told them about, not, you know, the thing that John paid $45 for. I still haven't gotten it. It was three years ago. I still haven't gotten it. I am am very upset about this because these people are here. And, oh, it's going to get messy later. (laughs) Um, yeah, because it's it's you crazy. See, it's uh, mm, mm. nope, not a good day. Not a good day. John's gonna need a pill for that. Yes, Anne. Um, you said that there are comments and messages. Yes. Yeah, yes. they come directly to you. They go straight to you as the person because it's it's like a, it's like it's it's like an email within Kickstarter. Yeah, it goes straight to you. No, but if they leave a comment, it will be seen. And then it's just kind of like, all right, well, hopefully you've built up enough goodwill with other people who are like, no person, you are totally off base because here. The, the interesting experience I had was somebody asked, uh, of, like, I wrote, an, I wrote an update that had the, if you want your uh, starter kit, click the link in this update. I think that's what I titled the update. It was the first update. And then somebody leaves a comment of, I can't find the starter set. Where is it? 
And then four people were like, it's in the update. It's the link at the top of the page. Just scroll up. So I didn't have to sit there and go, dear person, <laughs> scroll up, period. Other pe the goodwill, because people naturally want people to do well. I, I'm a firm believer in collaborative benevolence. People will help each other assuming it's for the better rule utilitarianism. It helps everybody be better, so it'll be better. And you don't have to, like I went on Facebook and I share, because when you start a Kickstarter, you get emails from people going, I run a company that will get you 50,000 new backers. They don't, <laughs> they super don't. Those things don't exist, but they sound really good because you're new and they, don't, they prey upon you. Yeah. It's garbage. But I would, go on, I would go on Facebook and talk about it because they're ridiculous. I run a media company. We produce television shows. We can get you an extra 100,000 backers for your product. Do you, did you look at my product? Like, it's a role-playing game. Like, uh, it, it has no business being on TV in this format. It's a book. So, so don't, don't sweat it. You will need some thick skin. And believe me, Kickstarter will thicken that right up. You will, you will callous hard. But it's worth it. Yeah. Yeah. We got time for like one more question, and then I'm gonna. Thank you. You're very welcome. Yes, sir. I think you can handle like uh, contradictory feedback. Like if I have a playtest this afternoon, and I get feedback about a mechanic, mm -hmm. nobody likes it, yep. so I change it for tomorrow, and it's like, oh, why isn't something like this in the game? It's like, oh, that was in the game, but I just changed it. Like, how do you handle? That's a great question. Like that? Like, that what is a great question. Do you think like they're right on point? I'm gonna take it or I could talk to you about things going wrong in a playtest. So sometimes there are things that you'll perceive that are just like, okay, something's going wrong. And what I would, what I tend to do is I take copious notes. So I try to identify what's going wrong. And if it's something I can fix, write it so that I could, so it's more focused on the, um, just to kind of redirect that focus. Uh, but for the actual mechanics, so it depends on how you change it, right? So you might you might have radically changed it, and I I'm not gonna say you should necessarily do that. But if, like, if you make an incremental change, something that's very small and controlled, and you know exactly what the what it should do, basically, what it actually does, something different. But it, then you can undo it, or you can make a different change. So in in and sometimes it's not as clear as like black and white, but usually it's something where if you made an incremental change and it's doing something but it's not doing what you want it to do. So I, th I think when it comes down to making those changes in between, usually I try to make something that I could clearly backtrack from or something that I could kind of I'd have an idea of what effect it will have. So not huge splashes, but more of like controlled hops. Brian? Never change something based on one piece of feedback. That's, that's the uh, technique that uh, I use. Um, if somebody says, oh, hey, this isn't working, I'll ask the question, why isn't it working? What were you thinking it should do? Don't be defensive and be like, well, you know, you weren't using it right. Uh, <laughs> you'll can't. want to. Yeah, but they can't <laughs> be right. Will. They can't be wrong in that way. Yeah. Like, so if, if something feels wrong to them, make a note of it and then pay attention to that mechanic. 
that is your signal to know I need to put pressure on this mechanic to see if it is doing what I am doing or, or what, what I want it to be doing or if it's not doing what I want it to be doing how do I change it to make it do what I want it to be doing mm -hmm. or like I mentioned earlier am I just completely failing to communicate what I expect this mechanic to be doing That's mm. last two things uh, one don't do what you proposed in your, your question do not change between playtests this weekend. Yes. Do not change between playtests this weekend. You get me? Do not change between playtests this weekend. <laughs> Everybody in this room, if you see him, what's your name? What's your name? What's your name? Alex. If you see Alex, you ask him if he's changed anything between playtests. And if you say yes, you tell him no. <laughs> no. The other element is this. Make sure that at the end of the day, this, this thing is yours before it's theirs. So if they're like, you should change this mechanic, you can go, uh-huh, and then go on about your day. Because ultimately it's yours. And you get to decide, remember we make decisions, you get to decide whether or not you're gonna listen to them or not. Okay? But do not change between play tests. Because you, you will never settle on the right answer. More than one person says something. Then you do, as Laura says, you take notes and go, hmm, perhaps this is something I should look at. But you don't do that, and certainly don't do it mid-playtest. Yeah, don't do it mid-playtest. Never change a mechanic mid-playtest. No, it's an, uh, I know, Andy, I know. Thanks so much, everybody. Thank One you. last piece of advice for you about that. Don't ignore a mechanic in your playtest to make sure people have fun. That's an instinct you have if you've been a game master for a long time. Don't do it. You're testing your game. You're not making sure people have fun. <laughs> Thanks very much. Thank you. No if you want cards, I have cards. They're pretty and new. Ooh.